The sermon text for today comes from John, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. This is after Jesus had been in Judea earlier, had been baptized by John, had been at the Passover feast. He had returned through Samaria to Galilee. Uh, He recently had uh, healed uh, the son of the official. Um, And now we'll find that Jesus returns to Jerusalem for another feast and a healing that takes place there, not Uh, and a healing in particular that takes place on the Sabbath. So listen now to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going to another, and while I am, while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word. Oh Lord, we thank you for your gospel, your good news of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, we pray that you would bless the word about him this day, that we might hear him, and that we might follow him, be discipled by him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, we find the misery of mankind, the compassion of Jesus, and the hostility of those who persist in unbelief. Jesus comes with healing and mercy, but by the end of the passage, there are those who are trying to kill him. And he heals a man, and the man he heals he also calls to repentance. 
See, you are well. Sin no more. That is still a message to his people today. See, you are well. Sin no more. This is the response to uh, the work of Jesus. Calls them to repentance as well as to wholeness, uh, to healing. First, we're going to find that Jesus healed the lame man. Then we're going to find that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And then finally, that Jesus healed as the Son of God. And in this way, demonstrating who he is, why we should trust him, and also how we ought to respond to him. First, though, Jesus healed the lame man. Like I said, he's in Jerusalem at this time. He went down for one of the feasts that would take place in Jerusalem. We don't know which feast, but he went there. And since it was a feast, there were great crowds in Jerusalem, lots of pilgrims coming to the festival. And he is walking in a particular part of Jerusalem that was on the north side, a pool that was called Bethsaida. It was by the Sheep Gate. Uh, and that was, like I said, on the northern side of the city. They've actually found, archaeologists have found this place, this location. If you read older commentaries, they'll say, we don't know where this was, but I think it was in the 1900s. They discovered these pools, or kind of two pools with these colonnades around them. Uh, The colonnade is referring to kind of a pavilion, a place where it had a roof over, which would provide shade, which would be really important in a place like Jerusalem. Of course, we can even appreciate that here, uh, where you could be next to the pool in the shade. And under these colonnades lay multitude, a multitude of invalids, of those who were blind, those who were lame so they couldn't walk, those who were paralyzed, uh, couldn't move. And they were there in the shade next to the pool. Now, why were they there? Well, not only for the shade and for the water, but also in the hope of being healed. Now, verse 7 hints at what they were expecting. Uh, In some manuscripts, add after verse 3 what you'll find in the ESV in the footnote. And it says that they were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at at certain seasons into the pool. And stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. And so they were there expecting a certain time. We don't know how frequently this was. Was this randomly or was this at the feast itself? Was this an annual thing? We don't know exactly. But they were expecting something and they were wishing to be healed. As they sat there, as they lay there in the shade of the colonnades. And Jesus walks there and he looks and he finds a particular man, uh, one man in particular. He had been an invalid for 38 years. We find that he wasn't blind, he was lame. He was one of the lame people, he wasn't able to walk. And he not only had been an invalid for 38 years, but he had been at that pool for a long time. Jesus knew this, doesn't say how he knew it. But he knew the life history of the Samaritan woman, uh, so it shouldn't surprise us that he knew that he had been invalid for 38 years and had been at the pool for a long time. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And the man responds that uh, 
basically, yes. The reason that he wasn't healed wasn't for a lack of desire, but a lack of ability. No one had, was, was there to help him get to the pool when the water was stirred. And uh, he was uh, unable to get there, there himself. When he tried to get there, maybe with his arms or something, someone else would get there before him. And he wasn't able to get healed in that way. So it wasn't for the lack of desire that he remained unhealed. So then what does Jesus do? Jesus singles out this man who was unmistakably invalid. People knew that he was lame. This had been proved for 38 years. People would have known that this man could not walk. And he had been abandoned by others. He was unable to help himself. He was unable to benefit from the waters. But Jesus would heal him that day. After Jesus heard of his desire to be healed, he says, Get up! Take up your bed and walk. Get up off the ground. Take up your bed, which is probably like a mat, uh, maybe a mat of straw, uh, something that will make it a little more comfortable to lay on the ground, but we're not talking about a bed with uh, like the bed you might sleep on, something that could be carried. And what happened? And do you know what happened? No. Can you, can you get up? You can get up because you are not lame. But this man wasn't able to move his legs. And Jesus told him to get up. Did he get up? He did get up. He did get up because Jesus healed him. Jesus said, get up, take your bed and walk. And he was healed instantly. He was able to walk. And he responded. He got up. He picked up his bed and he walked. Jesus healed him by his words. And Jesus then slipped away into the crowd. You look around, where did he go? So many people. He he can easily get out of there. And so the man didn't even get his name. But later on, Jesus came to him in the temple. Notice the pool is not in the temple. So they met at the pool. Later on, he catches up with him in the temple. This man apparently had gone to the temple, uh, probably to give thanks to God for this healing that he had been given. But Jesus finds him in the temple, and Jesus said to him, See, you are well. Obviously, he was well. He had walked all the way to the temple. See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, what could be worse than lying, lame, invalid for 38 years? That was a pretty bad thing, right? Jesus is warning that there would be judgment in store for him if he... Uh, did not repent if he did not break off his sin. Uh, He called him not only to a bodily healing, but he called him to respond to this mercy and grace and repentance, uh, to be converted, to sin no more, that nothing worse would happen to him. He was to be set on a new course. If the healing was not accompanied by repentance, a worse thing would happen to him. Now, what can we learn from the fact that Jesus healed the lame man? Well, first, mankind is in a state of sin and misery, right? In the coming age, when Jesus returns, the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no 
multitudes of blind and lame and paralyzed people scrambling for a cure? Why does the misery exist? Because of the sin of mankind. Because we fell in Adam into this misery. And this physical misery is a fitting image of our spiritual misery. We are dead in trespasses and sins. Now Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? And that is a good question with respect to a person's spiritual condition as well. Do you wish to be saved? Do you wish to be made whole? Do you want to be raised from the dead on the last day? Do you want Jesus to save you? These are things for all people to consider. For you to ask of yourself, to you to ask of others. Do you want to be healed? And then we are directed to the Savior. He is the one who heals. He is the good physician. He came for those who are sick. He is the one who is able to give life. Spiritual life now, of forgiveness and regeneration, and healing our bodies in the resurrection when he returns. All those who have received him by faith. He makes a person well in body and soul. He is Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the Savior of the world. His word is powerful. He speaks. And what happens? Things happen. His word gives the ability to answer the call. He says, come to me. Is anyone able to come to him? No, we're like lame people. We can't come to him unless the Father draws him, unless he speaks the word, and we're healed. We are made able to come to him by his grace, and we can take hold of him and answer the call and to come to Jesus Christ. His word is powerful. We pray that it comes with power and spirit and full conviction. He speaks, and new strength is received. And we see that he is compassionate. He takes mercy upon those who are miserable. No one else thought to help this man. Did anyone else think of helping this guy, even just to carry him to the water? No one had to be a miracle worker to do that, to carry him over to the pool. No one else had took thought of this person for 38 years he had been there. But Jesus thought of him. Jesus took note of him. Jesus helped him. Jesus is merciful. And then Jesus, his follow-up exhortation should remind every Christian to forsake a life of sin. To break off the old ways which are uh, futile, which are uh, sinful, which are deserving of judgment. To sin no more, to break off that way and to uh, more and more put on the ways of the new man, which is being renewed after his image. Has your heart and soul been made well? Then sin no more. Follow the Lord Jesus. Pursue after holiness. Make a new practice more and more of doing that which is right and holy and good. We find that Jesus healed the lame man. We find next that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath day. Notice verse 9, at the end of verse 9. Now that day was the Sabbath. Bom, bom, bom. That's an ominous note there. We don't learn that until the end of verse 9. That day was the Sabbath day. That's going to make things a little complicated. Because that man who picks up his bed and he's walking now, he gets in trouble with the Jewish authorities. 
for carrying a burden on the Sabbath. Now, Nehemiah had said not to carry a burden on the Sabbath. But, of course, what Nehemiah was talking about was merchants bringing in their goods to sell on the Sabbath day. They weren't really talking about a man who had just been healed carrying his mat. Um, and so they weren't, they weren't applying the law correctly. But they said, this is a Sabbath day. You're breaking the Sabbath by carrying your mat, your bed, on this day. Of course, they didn't comment on the fact that you are healed. What happened? I've seen you there time and again. What happened? How are you walking? But no, you are breaking the Sabbath. That's what they thought. But the man says, well, the man who healed me commanded me. His word gave me the ability to walk. So I thought his commandment was good that I should do what he says. And it's good that I did what he says, not only to walk, but to take up my bed too. He didn't know his name, though. Jesus meets the man again, so the man's able to tell the Jews that, yes, it was Jesus. Jesus was the one. He doesn't point out and linger on the fact that Jesus is the one who told me to take up my mat. He doesn't accuse Jesus. He says, Jesus is the one who healed me. Jesus did this good thing. Jesus would heal another lame man later on, and through the apostles, too, lead to similar, uh, similar hostility. But... He says, Jesus did this. And so the Jews become angry at Jesus because he was healing on the Sabbath, not just carrying the mat they thought was breaking the Sabbath, but even healing him they thought was breaking the Sabbath. But Jesus had an answer for them. He answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. Does Jesus work now? Jesus, uh, does, does God work now? Does did God work on the seventh day, on the Sabbath day? Well, he rested from his work of creation on that first week. He didn't create any new things, but he does work and is working now providentially, sustaining what he has created, giving food to us each day, even on the Sabbath day. He continues to do good to all, to make the rain fall and the sun to shine. Even though God rested from his work of creation, he continued to work providentially to mercifully sustain and care for his creation. In this way, God works deeds of mercy on the Sabbath day. How much more, in fact, on the Sabbath, in which he works in blessing his people in the rest and the worship of the Sabbath day. So we can learn a few things from this. First, God is our model for Sabbath keeping. And that applies to deeds of mercy as well as in other ways, in, in resting. You know, God rested on the seventh day of creation, and therefore, what should we do on the Sabbath day? Rest. He blessed the Sabbath day and called it holy. And so you should reckon it's blessed. You should call it a delight, a blessed day. And you should keep it holy, observe it in a holy manner, doing holy things, worshiping our God and setting it apart to the glory of his name. And he does works of necessity and mercy on the Sabbath. Not that anything's strictly necessary for him, but he preserves life and he does good to others. And so you should do works of necessity and mercy on the Sabbath as well. So we should learn that God is our model for Sabbath keeping. He has set an example for us. Uh, but secondly, 
Deeds of mercy in particular, we learn here, are appropriate for the Sabbath day. Even if they're not necessary. Did Jesus have to heal this man that day? Uh, Was there anything urgent about this healing that had to happen that day and couldn't have been put off to the next day? Uh, No, it's not like he was going to die that day, that he was in uh, uh, need of of being sustained for his life. He had been in this condition for 38 years. Why that day, not the day before or the day after? But Jesus healed him on the Sabbath day. It was not urgent, was not a deed of necessity, but it was a deed of mercy, and so it was appropriate to be done on the Sabbath day, not breaking it. On the Sabbath, God gives rest to us, and we remember that even on every day, God gives rest to us through his redemption, breaking the yoke of bondage. And therefore, we also, on the Sabbath day, give rest to others to show them mercy to show mercy to their bodies, uh, as well as showing mercy to their souls. You know, we should uh, be kind to others, feed them, and heal them if we're able, you know, physically. But how much more then should we encourage them and to build them up, strengthen them spiritually? So deeds of mercy are appropriate to the day. And finally, think also on the Sabbath that we should meditate upon God's works, that he continues to work. Uh, He sustains his creation. Think upon his mercy and his generosity, his creation, uh, his works that he has revealed in his word. He is working. And that's why you can rest. You can rest because God is sovereign and God is caring for you. And you are not an orphan all on your own. You can trust the Lord. And uh, rest in him. So Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. And it was not a sin. Uh, It was, in fact, a good thing. And it was defended by him by saying, My father is working until now and I am working. And this brings us to the third point, that Jesus healed as the son of God. God. Not only was God the model, in the sense that we can all learn from this, that we can do good on, on the Sabbath. But Jesus in particular calls him my father. And he says that as his father is working until now, also that I am working. Jesus is the son of God uniquely. He doesn't say our father. He says my father. He also works with the father. He works as his father works. We know from Hebrews that Jesus, the Son, upholds the universe by the word of his power. He works the works of his Father. Now, the Jews understood the implications of this short sentence, that Jesus was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Is Jesus equal with God? Yes. And Jesus was saying that here, putting himself up with God as his father in a way that was unlike anyone else. He wasn't a son of God by adoption or by choice or by grace, but rather as God's only begotten son from all eternity. That Jesus is the one through whom all things were created. 
by whom all things exist. There is only one God, and to be God's son is to be of the same kind, to be God as well. If there's only one God, then therefore they are the same God. They are one substance, the same substance with the Father, equal in power and glory. If he is God, then of course he cannot be uh, less than uh, supreme. Uh, He is uh, equal in power and glory with the Father and of course with the Holy Spirit as well. And so it is God who has come in the flesh, God, the Creator, who has come as the Savior. Uh, It is the Son of God who gives life, who has authority to give life, the one who gave us our bodies, who can heal those bodies, the one uh, whom we were created for has come to save. His power is divine. Jesus is not content to merely uh, merely be a prophet like Elijah or Elisha. He's not merely a teacher. He is not merely a healer, but he is God. He is the divine Savior, the very Son of God, and uh, will not be content to be made anything less. Uh, And so, for some people, that means they become hostile to God. Uh, He made claims that they could not ignore. Either this man was a blasphemer and a wicked man, or else he was the Son of God and equal with his father. And so this was a claim that caused them to take sides. Either this was the one to follow uh, or the one to oppose. But of course we know that he was the one sent of God as the savior of the world, that as the gospel began, that he was the word who was in the beginning with God, by which everything that exists came into existence by And so worship Jesus as the Son of God. Follow and obey Jesus as God himself. You can trust in him to give life because he is uh, omnipotent, powerful, all-powerful. No limits to his knowledge, his authority. And so he is able to save us to the uttermost, always living to intercede for us. And so Jesus healed the lame man, he healed the man on the Sabbath day, and he healed as the Son of God. He heals people today, first spiritually in this life, and then completely bodily in the resurrection on that final day. Have you been made well by the Lord Jesus? Then go and sin no more. Break off those old ways and follow the Son of God. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your mercy and love and grace that you have sent your only begotten Son, that we might not perish but have everlasting life through believing in him. We pray that you would strengthen us and make us whole, that we would not be half-hearted and divided in our thoughts and desires, but rather would break off our sinful habits and to follow after the one who has saved us, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would overcome those who are hostile to him, uh, that you would convert those who are dead in sin and trespasses, that you would cause our uh, legs, as it were, to be strengthened, to strengthen our 
weak knees that we might run the race with endurance following after him and his word. We pray, Father, that you would continue to work in us the work that you have begun through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.